Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to BAMS Radio. It is one minute after the hour, and you are with us for yet another edition here on Blog Talk Radio, and also proud to be a part of Bama Sports Radio. This is Terry Clark, one of your hosts. I'm with Scout.com and BamaMag.com. I'm joined, as always, by Drew DiArmond of AlabamaIntel.com and our producer back in the studio, Thomas Watts of Stem Up Magazine. And, uh, Drew, we only got to see... Uh, Three and a half quarters of that uh, epic 41 to nothing beat down. Uh, the worst news, I guess, was for the uh, players that didn't get some quality snaps that Coach Saban would have liked to have seen. But at the same time, the decision to call the game midway through the fourth quarter was probably best for all concerned. Oh, yeah, you want to keep all the fans safe. A little bit depressing that didn't get a chance to see some of the younger guys and only got a just a, a small taste of uh, Rashawn Evans and Tim Williams and that left a six-second uh, impression. No question about that. Uh, seeing those guys more, enjoyed seeing Tony Brown get some reps. You know, I was hoping to see them all in Humphrey. Hopefully, that can happen this week. But uh, I, I was, I was pleased with the way they performed. Carry a few mental mistakes by Jake Coker, but you did see the potential uh, down the road for him. But I do think. And I don't, I don't, I'm sure you agree, but I think we have a starting quarterback at Alabama, and his name's Blake Sims. Would agree with that. Uh, played a near flawless game, except for one play when ten guys knew it was a pass, and Blake thought it was a handoff that resulted in a fumble that was no fault to T.J. Yeldon's. But that being said, he played. Blake played a wonderful game. Uh, and the participation chart. If Marty will go ahead and call in, we'll go over that, and uh, we'll talk <laughs> about the uh, 66 guys that got in. We'll talk about a couple of screw ups by. Our, Crack Einstein Press Box Crew. Uh, please call us with your questions and comments on the Florida Atlantic, on the upcoming Southern Miss game, on the quarterback situation. And uh, I'll tell you what, do not call us if you have any questions about hurry up, no huddle, because we just beat the hell out of that. But the number to call is <laughs> 714-510-3707. Again, the BAMS radio call-in number is 714-510-3707. We'd love to hear from you. Marty, you're up first because the participation chart needs to be gotten out of the way. Uh, we do have a, a guest in the 9 o'clock hour, Rodney Orr of TyderInsider.com. will come on to talk a lot of team and a little recruiting. Uh, we'll probably hear from at 8.30 from our pal Big C to find out who his guest is on Talking Bama with Big C, the uh, uh, internet, internet TV show he's doing, uh, which I apparently am about to get invited to be on one week. I don't know what week I'll get up. I'll get Western Carolina. But, uh <laughs> And then last night uh, up in Huntsville at the Greenbrier Barbecue Restaurant, where I easily get catfish, but I like the barbecue too, uh, Drew and I and about 100 other Bama fans got to hear a frequent Bama's radio guest, William Redfish Barger, speak, which was very interesting. Uh, he made some very uh, unique observations. 
and I really thought, Drew, that some of the points he made about the quarterback situation were were just excellent. Oh, absolutely. You know, you have to be happy for Blake and how hard he's worked. And, you know, and, and, and he's right. Everybody wrote him off. Everybody basically after the 8A game, everybody figured he had no no shot to win the job. And he just he, – he hasn't been a guy on Twitter a lot. Yeah, you know, camp in, in the media, you know, or and he's not a, he is, he's just a leader on the football team. What he's done is just go out and grind and work. And uh, he he's not a guy that's going to be on Facebook all the time. He's not a, a not one of these front and center, you know, kind of Hollywood quarterback kind of guys. But what he is, he's just a guy that's worked hard. And he knew he had a chance to, uh, you know, re, uh, a legitimate chance to be the starting quarterback at the University of Alabama. And he had stuck around for a fifth year, which is, as you know, Kerry, it's rare, especially for a quarterback. Uh, to, even though he's only played the position two full years, he was a quarterback in high school. But it's rare for those guys to wait for a, a shot at a one-year, you know, opportunity. But he did that, and so far, so good. And I, another thing that I'll say is I think it's amazing what Coach Kiffin has done with him in the months that he's been here, and I think he's really helped settle him down and calm him down. And I really like – this is the only time I'm going to mention the no-huddle, but I really like Alabama's use of the no-huddle thus far. Yep, it's been very effective in the two games they've used it. Well, Drew, uh, Coach Saban and Tom Roberts have Pee Wee from Grand Bay as their leadoff hitter. <laughs> well, we got our own BAMS radio leadoff yes, hitter on the now. Let's bring him on. Marty from Gadsden, welcome to BAMS radio. Hey, guys, great night. I tell you what, it's refreshing not to have to hear about Ray Rice and the Obama speech tonight. Only, <laughs> I mean, BAMS radio hit it on the nail, man, coming on at 8 o'clock. Don't have to hear none of that crap, you know. Uh, I, I, hey guys, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm I'm becoming a a Tiffin a Kiffin uh, locker. I don't know if I, I will call him a Tiffin lover, but uh, <laughs> I'm becoming a, a locker of, of Kiffin's offense. I mean, uh, it's kind of exciting to look to how he's putting all the people in position, especially using the playmakers. You know, Amari Cooper seems like he's just flourishing under his under his tutelage i mean what do y'all guys think about that uh, let me jump in real quick on this yeah, go ahead, um yeah, go. i i think kiffin is in an interesting spot i want to see how the offense evolves going forward actually great point thomas uh, you know with the as is you look at the past two games a lot of a lot of behind the line of scrimmage screen stuff because the defense was giving alabama that alabama lane kiffin accurately took that that's what he should do. That is his job. But what happens when a Florida can play press man? How do they adjust? That's what I want to see. That's where Lane Kiffin's going to earn his money. I agree with Thomas 100% there. I, I want to see him implement the option a little bit, the, the read option and the zone read, and I think they could do that. And uh, I think they'll – and I, I agree with William and uh, what William said last night and you know, uh, substantiate this, but I look for Kiffin to tackle field. Uh, with O.J. Howard, that's when you'll see Kenyon Drake be a factor as a as a dump off guy and, a, and a, as a receiver uh, against their linebackers, which could be a big headache for Florida. But I look for Kiffin to uh, attack in the middle of the field uh, when when uh, they try to press man Alabama and, and man up, and I, it will and it will give opportunities. It doesn't have to be you know 50 yards down the field for one-on-one for Coop to get open and for uh, Blake Sims to be able to hit him vertically. So we'll see. It's kind of like uh, what William said last night. He played with a quarterback in 1989 that couldn't throw the ball 30 yards down the field. But if you have a good plan 
and execute that plan, you can still move the football. And I asked him last night about playing in the Homer Smith offense in 1989 and, you know, how good they were. He said they really only had one speed guy at receiver, and that was Craig Sanderson. He said Marco Battle couldn't run. Uh, you know, Prince Wembley wasn't fast, but they were good route runners. And everybody knows the genius that Homer Smith was as a tactician and an offensive uh, play caller and, and, and just a designer of offenses overall. Hey, guys, before yeah, the, uh, the participation uh, chart tonight, uh, I got a question about the playbook. You know, I've heard that the, the players or different people said we've not used hardly any of our playbook that we have available to us. Uh, do y'all think this is correct? And, and, and if it is correct, do you think we can execute that other half of that playbook? I guarantee the playbook's got some plays where we throw the tight end. <laughs> I promise you it does. And it's got it's got some, like Drew was talking about, it's got some crossing routes that we hadn't used because they haven't doubled the outside guys yet. But when they start doubling Amari, guess what? That means somebody like a linebacker has to try to cover O.J. or Kenyon. And good luck with that. Good luck with that. And even if they do cover him, Marty, even if they cover him, Blake can just tuck it and scramble. He gives us dimension that we really hadn't had since the guy that another guy that William mentioned. The first guy he was talking about that he said couldn't throw up the twenty yards was Gary Hollinsworth. Yes, and my fault. Yeah. Uh, and, and William redshirted in '89, but he did see it all in practice. And right. I'm sure rest of some home games. But that being said, uh, William did play and was in the huddle with Danny Woodson. And and even though Danny Woodson was Far from a rocket scientist, he could tuck it and run. Yes, he could. Uh, and Blake tuck it and run. And uh, Danny, Danny had a stronger arm than Blake. Oh, Blake yes, is, he did. Blake has come a long way uh, because Blake took the time to not only be coached by Lane Kiffin, but to go and work with a separate quarterback coach twice mm-hmm. yep. uh, over spring break and over the summer. And it's, and it's coming to fruition. Now, has anybody dared Blake to throw the deep ball yet? Marty, no, they have not. Florida will dare him. They will dare him. And he'll have to answer that bell. But another point that William made last night, and Drew can back me up because all three of us saw it, back in the spring, uh, Blake didn't have any problem throwing deep balls and scrimmages to Amari. So uh, I think, I think I, 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 you know, I think Florida's got a lot to have to plan for. I agree with Kerry uh, wholeheartedly. I think no, nobody, everybody's assuming a lot of things about Alabama offensively and limitations, but they haven't seen it yet. And you're going to see it, I think, by the time the Gators come to town in a couple of weeks. Uh, and then, of course, uh, and then nobody really saw much of, of uh, Yeldon and uh, Henry last week, and that was by design. They wanted to work on the passing game, get Kenyon Drake's feet wet. And then you saw Tyron Jones, who I don't think he will play much this year, Kerry, but I think he proved that he has ability and talent and just needs to stay focused. And I think when you have a guy like all T. Tenpenny, who I still believe has big-time D1 talent, fifth on your depth chart, you know you're loaded at tailback. Well, Marty, Can I, I comment? One more comment real quick. Yeah, go you ahead. know, yeah, about ahead, Blake Marty. Sims. I tell you what, he, 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 is, he has earned my heart. I tell you, I've heard the young man talk. What a humble young man he is. What a great representative he is for the University of Alabama. I mean, I'm in his camp. I hope he succeeds. I'm, I'm, I'm all for Blake Sims, and especially after hearing him talk. I mean, he's just a, he seems like a special young man. I agree. And, and you know, when, when Jake threw that touchdown, the first guy to hug him coming off the field was Blake. And, and, and that's not fake. That's Blake being Blake. 
All right, Marty, we're going to go over real quickly our weekly uh, look at the uh, UA participation chart in the win over Florida Atlantic. 66 guys got into the game. There were a couple of errors on what was given out to us, but uh, I've been able to correct those after watching the film. Uh, on offense, we started Cam Robinson, Ari Quanjo, Ryan Kelly, Alphonse, Big Shank Taylor, first start for him, and Austin Shepard on the line. Vogler was the uh, inline tight end. Fowler was the fullback. Blake was the quarterback. TJ at tail, and Amari and Chris Black made his first start. On defense, uh, Jonathan Allen, Brandon Ivory, first start of this year, uh, and Jaron Reed, first start of his career. Uh, at, the, at the linemen, the linebackers were Denzel Duvall, Trey Priest, first start of this year, Reggie Ragland, uh, who had a sack, and Xavier Dixon. The secondary, Eddie Jackson, first start of this year, Cyrus Jones, Landon Collins, and Nick Perry. Uh, Alabama came off the bench with the following players. Uh, despite the fact that the uh, chart that was passed out Saturday showed Josh Dickerson playing under number 55, that was Cole Miles with the snapper. I uh, don't know um, who's in charge of that, but they need to brush up on their playing, uh, their binocular skills. And despite <laughs> the fact that 69 was listed as walk-on third-team center Paul Waldrop, uh, instead the 69 that played was true freshman nose guard Josh Frazier. Yes, so he um, need, need a little bit of work there, but that's that's the two guys that played under those numbers. <laughs> Um, with all due apologies to Josh Dickerson and uh, Paul Walgett. They didn't get him in. Uh, but here's some other guys that got in, Marty. Uh, Tyron Jones, who Drew mentioned. Tony Brown, who got his first time at corner, played special teams against WVU. Bradley Sylvie, who is now a backup corner, and sadly, in my estimation, taking some reps from Marlon that Marlon really needs. But Marlon hadn't played yet, Humphrey. Uh, Hootie Jones did get in and, and, and saw a, a, a tiny bit of time um, at safety. Uh, Ryan Anderson, who had a sack, uh, and he's drawing some rays from his teammates uh, at outside linebacker. Cam Sims, uh, who seems to be the designated blocking wide receiver, true freshman. Robert Foster, who did catch a pass for three yards. Uh, Corin Curvin saw some brief time at nose. Deshaun Hand got in again, as he did against Virginia Tech, uh, West Virginia. Adam Griffith continues to not miss a kick all year through two games. Reuben Foster, uh, who didn't start and didn't get as much time, uh, but he did get in the second half. Uh, Sean Hamilton, uh, or Darius Stewart, uh, really is making a name for himself. Ben oh, yeah. Coker, as we mentioned, Kenyon Drake, who had a great game, a couple of touchdowns. Cooper Bateman as the holder. If the game had drug on a little more, Cooper might have gotten a few snaps at quarterback. I don't know if it would have been him or Alec on that. But uh, Maurice Smith as the backup nickel. Christian Jones, uh, Jabril Washington, who actually played a pretty good game at the dime for Alabama, had a handful of tackles. Uh, he, he was taking off kick coverage, but he got his snaps in uh, as, a, as the dime back. Geno Smith, the starter at nickel now. Dylan Lee, who rambled a once today at practice uh, uh, ahead of Reggie Ragland. Don't know what the deal is with that, but we'll see Saturday. Derek Henry, who didn't get a lot of time, but uh, that was by design. Alki Tempenny, who uh, did get some uh, brief time at running back. Uh, Rashad Evans got his first sack. We talked about him on here six, eight months. And he showed a freak. Uh, he is a freak. Uh, the, my man from Hoover, Falcon, Michael Nicewander, got in some snaps at football back again. D-liner got in on the D-line, uh, 52, number 52. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson continues to be in the rotation. Uh, Tim Williams uh, got some time at defensive end and uh, the kicking team. So the, he really only missed one game. Uh, DJ Petway, uh, he's on the chart, but he really hadn't done a whole lot through two games. We hope that will pick up. Brandon Green, who is now a tight end. Uh, Grant Hill. Uh, Isaac Lewatua at number two guard. Uh, Leon Brown uh, got some time in the first half. 
uh, although he didn't start. Bradley Bozeman, who performed well at backup center, got committed by Coach Saban. Uh, uh, Dominic Jackson got some time at tackle and looked good. Uh, Raheem Falcons, mainly on special teams, but some offense. Ty Floyd Smith uh, got his first. If you had Ty Floyd Smith as the first tight end to catch a pass this year, you just won a big lottery. But he is the first and only. Malcolm Fashon at tight end. Ashawn Robinson. O.J. Howard, uh, who apparently is redshirting as a receiver, but will let her as a blocker this year and a decoy. And uh, just kidding, I think we'll see a lot more of O.J. And Dakota Ball as a blocking tight end. So uh, that's who all got in there, Marty. And uh, that number was 66. Uh, it might exceed that this week, assuming they get all four quarters in and all the weather reports say they will. But uh, some of the conference games, like Florida, the number probably won't be that high. So it's very important that uh, – I, the one I'm really intrigued with, Drew, is, is what's going to happen, you know, because to me, Bradley Sylvie is, is taking snaps that Marlon Humphrey needs. But at the same time, Bradley Sylvie has, you know, was a starter for a week and is now number two at corner. But uh, I really wanted to see Marlon out there Saturday. Yeah, I think everybody did, and I think we would have. That's the problem with the weather. Um, they're still going to give Sylvie a chance to play some. He's been in the program, just kind of like Leon Brown who split reps this week at right guard with Shank. And I think today was taking more first-team reps. I have a feeling that Leon may start, you know, the next ball game. Coach Saban said to, to this tonight, this evening in the press conference, that Leon had played a lot better in the second game. I think they like his potential. They also bragged on Dominic Jackson, said he was very physical, but made some mental errors and some, you know, some fundamental errors in, the, in his technique that needed to be refined but they like uh, where he is right now. So I, I think overall the, the, the team made some strides. You know, I was glad to see, you know, Tim Williams get in last week. Hopefully he threw his issue. And I thought it was big carry. I don't know if I talked about this last night, but Tim Williams was uh, the last two days in practice has not been in a scout team jersey. He's number 56. It's huge. And you know something interesting else that happened today at practice, Drew? Uh, our boy Grant Hill right. and and Dominic and Austin all split time at right tackle. Now, Austin Shepard is a starting right tackle, but I think you're going to see Grant Hill uh, get get some time this weekend. Well, yes, and Coach Saban said that today. He said if someone gets hurt or they had to play Grant Hill, they had the utmost confidence that I think he can play either tackle spot. Grant's a very studious kid. I know him well. He's a, a guy that, you know, has busted his tail to improve. I think once he gets a once he gets a chance to uh you know, in the next year or so to grasp to, to, to gain a foothold on the offensive line and get a starting spot, he will not disappoint. He's someone that'll work. He doesn't believe in social media, he doesn't believe in partying, he's just a football kid and he and he goes to class. So he's someone that will be a grinder, will be he'll be like an Austin Shepherd, uh, Kerry, because Austin took three to four about three years to develop and it's turned into a very, very good player and a future pro. And I still think Grant Hill has pro potential. He's the best offensive lineman that I've ever seen from my area. And so I still think he has a very good chance to be extremely good. I think Dominic Jackson does. I think, to be honest, Kerry, once you – if we talked this, – this was brought up last night, and this will be the uh, just a, a, a blip on recruiting. But if Alabama can add Isaiah Prince, to the offensive line class that they have with Lester Cotton, Dallas Warmack, Richie Pettibon, uh, and, 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 the, and that group, 
and 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 uh, and and Brandon Kennedy. I think they will have the most talent as a unit, as a group, at the offensive line ever at Alabama. Now, I know in the seventies they were a machine, but I cannot possibly imagine that they would have the talent that Mario Cristobal would have in the last two years stacked on. on on top of one another by in the next year or so. I think Alabama will be ridiculously talented, t- talented on the offensive line. And the thing that excites me, Kerry, as we saw in the participation chart last week, I think, I think right now if injuries hold up and they stay healthy, I think they're going to try to redshirt the whole group besides Dominic, and I'm excited about that. Here's what I can't figure out, Bruce. Grant Hill is, is a very good football player. And if he's going to start it next year, it would seem to me that that would be at guard. Right. But I don't see him getting any reps at guard. That's interesting. I think they're. I think right now the one reason why they're not doing that, Kerry, is the, the one area that I think Alabama is deficient at the offensive on the offensive line right now is depth at tackle. I don't think they felt like they had the quality depth there. Because you remember, they, Dom started out at guard, and then they've moved him out there and realized that they believe now he can be a right tackle. But I think when they signed him, they felt like he could be a right tackle. You know, Grant Grant's athletic enough to be a tackle and, and big enough. But I, I, I still think his ultimate, you know, place will be uh, at guard. But they need to get a guy like Isaiah Prince, you know, in the program to be groomed behind Cameron Robinson. And and someone like Piertzbacher who can who can be a swing guy, but I think and then when Lester Cotton can gets here next year and he'll start out at right tackle himself, that's going to give them enough numbers to be able to move some guys around. And ideally, Kerry, if they could find another tackle they really like, and Drew Richmond's now off the board going to play for uh, Dunlop Tires and Ole Miss, they could, they would sign two tackles in this class. But I'm not sure, even though Jalen Merrick, that's another recruiting bit, uh, tidbit is going to come officially visit, supposedly, for the Florida game from Smyrna Beach, Florida. I, I'm not sure that he's really going to be a take. So I don't know if there's another one out there if they would take a second tackle. But, again, if they get Isaiah Prince, they'll have enough numbers then, I think, at left tackle and then at right tackle to move someone like Grant Hill inside. And, Marty, I think you had another question for us. I got, I got one more question for the great modern minds of Alabama football on this panel. You know, looking at DeAndre White, I, I hope he comes back from his injury fine, but, I mean, would this guy not be a di- dynamic punt return or kickoff returner? I mean, this dude has got moves. He he just, I mean, I think he's a fit for a kickoff returner and a punt returner. What do you guys think? Now get off here and listen. Well, Marty, before he got hurt, he was that deep on kickoffs with Christian, but the plays are always designed for Christian to catch the ball and DeAndre to block for him. And to be frank with you, the backup to Christian at that position, as well as punts, as we saw Saturday, is Cyrus Jones. I mean, sure, DeAndre White would be an effective kick returner. I want to say he has one or two in his career. But uh, I'm not positive, but I believe he does. But he's back there to block only. Uh, there, there's really not a scenario where he'd get the ball unless it is kicked to the extreme, and there's no way Christian can get it. But uh, regarding his health, he's practicing this week. But Coach Saban has already declared him out this week. But the fact that he's out there running around tells me that he'll for sure play against Florida. And I think Christian's going to play this week, Drew. 
I think he'll more than likely play Kerry, but I was very excited to see Cyrus Jones have some success, the kick uh, punt returner. Uh, and remember, if if DeAndre was not out there, uh, there there there, is, there could even be a chance that Landon Collins could be the blocker on kick. No, he was. Landon was, yeah. Landon was his pass Saturday, Drew. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, he was. And, and, and until DeAndre comes back, it's going to be yeah. Landon. It's going to be Landon because he's a blocker and he's a very physical guy. And well, he'll knock your dick in the dirt. Excuse my language, yeah. but that's, that's why Landon's out there. Landon's yeah, going to I get mean, a piece of somebody on every return. Yeah, and Landon's always been a great special teams player, so he's going to be out there. So until the end, because I kind of would wish they just go with Landon. Of course, you don't want to get Landon banged up, but now that you know DeAndre's got a tender shoulder, I wouldn't be surprised if if his days as a special teams guy are over. But, it's very uh, possible. But even when we were watching yeah. the scrimmages and they put yeah. the backup two guys in there, and DeAndre was healthy, the backup two guys were Cyrus and Landon, and Landon was blocking for Cyrus. So Landon yeah. knows that role. He played it some last year. Uh, and I think you're right. I think that there's really not a reason to risk DeAndre back there on kick returns again because they need him at wide receiver. That being said, uh, hats off to Chris Black for a solid game. Yeah, I thought Chris Black said that. I thought Ardarius stepped up. Uh, turns out everybody's been campaigning for Robert Foster, and he did catch a pass, but he made another mental error. And, or like Coach Sefton said today, he would have walked into the end zone. And, uh, you know, if he had run it right. So that's probably where Robert Foster is. He's still got to make some strides mentally. And that's, and that's an aspect of the game, Kerry, a lot of people forget about. You know, he's a kid that he, he probably didn't have to do the little things right in high school because he was such a great athlete coming from Pennsylvania. And they just want him to do things the right way and not make mental errors. And to be frank with you, he's playing on a unit that's very talented. I mean, Chris Black was one of the top three, four wide receivers in America. Uh, coming out of high school three years ago, and he's just now getting on the field. So I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is everybody's not Amari Cooper. You can't get out there and make a, an immediate impact every time, but you can still be a very good player. And I'm hoping Chris Black and our Darius Stewart are coming into their own and that they'll continue to play well Saturday. You know, something I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention on this broadcast, uh, thoughts and prayers to Bart Starr, who's recovering from a mild stroke. He's been hospitalized. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, I didn't and, know about uh, that. There is a, a very strong chance that he'll get to go home from the hospital either tomorrow or the next day. Uh, Bart's still in pretty good health. But uh, right. Bart got hurt a lot, and he didn't get to play a lot of his junior and senior year at Alabama, but the, the NFL scouts found out about him. He got drafted and was one of the all-time great quarterbacks in the NFL. And, uh, <laughs> it's not really something to brag about, but Bart's wife and my wife go to the same beauty shop, so she sees him all the time, and she was uh, she was a little set back when I told him he had, her he had a stroke, but he is doing a lot better. Uh, he's making a good recovery uh, and uh, apparently going to get to go home with it today and the next day. So thoughts and prayers to Bart Starr. And um, there's that. i got to give something else I want to pass along, Drew, because I know you've already seen this, but I'm not sure if the listeners have. Today in the uh, post-practice interviews in the media suite at the football building, and this is compliments of uh, our pal Mark Burnett from the Anderson Star, reporters asked A. Sean Robinson how he injured his knee during camp. His response, quote, I don't know. They just told me to start rehabbing. <laughs> I read that. And I'm sorry, but that's, that's gold. Mark Cubius, he does a great job, man. And, uh, he, and he, he's, a, he's a good young reporter. He's a guy that I follow on Twitter as well. And I thought that was a funny deal right there. And, uh, and A'shaun looks like he's getting back, Harry. He showed some explosion last week. They need him. They're going to need him in the future. I noticed that uh, – I don't know if it means anything, but I think Darren Lake's been getting some first-team reps at nose this week, and A'shaun's been at end. 
but it's going to be interesting. That probably won't happen Saturday because, as you know, USM runs the spread. But uh, I don't least, think Darren Lake's going to play a lot until yeah. he plays somebody that runs the ball a lot, like like LSU. Right. In Tennessee, doing some no huddle now too. A little bit, but I mean that might be a game he could really help in. Uh, but, Florida's running the no huddle. I mean, Darren Lake is. Uh, I'm sorry, but his playing time is kind of behind the eight ball right now. It is, and and I hate to, and I know this is not really Alabama related, but I'm just going to go ahead and say this, and you know, I I think Tennessee's going to get slaughtered Saturday. Um, I still you're right. Oh, the Cowboys only lost four home games in what 15 years? Five home games since '99. Okay, and eighty-eight and five. And the thing is, I really, I just don't think that Tennessee's still their defense has improved, Kerry, but I just don't think offensively they're dynamic at all. I'm not that impressed with Jalen Hurd. I think he's okay. I'm impressed I, with North at receiver. Yeah, he's a good player. Pig Howard's a good player. The junior college kid, I think, is out. And then their tight end is hurt as well. So I just don't think they match up well at all. And I think, and you know Bob Stoops, Kerry. He's going to try to run it up. He doesn't like the SEC getting all this credit. He's trying to prove beating Alabama wasn't a fluke. And uh, I, it won't be as bad as Oregon last year, hopefully, for Tennessee. But it's not going to be a uh, pleasant night in Norman, Oklahoma. Okay, Mr. All Caps in the back chat. Thomas, go ahead and tell him what you're telling us. <laughs> oh, I was just saying when it comes to the uh, Oklahoma-Tennessee game, Tennessee still has five new starting offensive linemen, and Oklahoma has a really, really good outside speed rush. It's going to be yeah. a long day for Worley or whatever his name is. It, it, Thomas is 100% right, and their left tackle's already out for the year. So they lost him in the first ball game against, uh, you know, Utah State. So it, I just don't think it's a good match. I, I still I, – I'll be – I think Tennessee will probably make a bowl game, but it's going to be close. And I just – I'm not that enthused about the balls yet. We'll see. And then uh, we all know, guys – I've been tooting his horn, but obviously James Franklin's a good football coach because what we're seeing at Vanderbilt right now is back to the old Vandy, maybe worse. Drew, how stupid was Texas not to go after James Franklin? I mean, insane. What is there are even you a word watch? for that stupidity? What are you watching? You 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 should have hired, you know, mocha chocolate instead of dark chocolate. You hose that up, Texas. Sorry. I mean. But, hey, Kerry, all, all I got to know is, is the, is the cat recruited well to Vanderbilt, man? And people are not un- – now they under- they should understand how hard it is to win at Vanderbilt. And, and, and the cat won nine games the last two years and won three bowl games. Went, didn't he go 3-0 and in bowl games or 2-1? and one? Uh, I think it was 3-0. and I think he was, too. And so that's what's so amazing. And by the way, Josh Rutledge did real good with the with the spouse. By the way, I just got a chance to see her on the sideline of this replay of the Alabama. Hey, game. You know what, Law, who is a, a friend of this show and has been on this show a number of times in the past, Law did a great job on the sidelines at the Alabama oh. game. Well, and, she, and I, I we had somebody on Bama Mad criticize her for passing along the info that Lane Kiffin told Coker we needed to score a touchdown to get in the field goal it was embarrassing. Um, excuse me, idiot poster, but Laura is there to get information like that, and the SEC Network is going to always have more access to the sidelines of an SEC game than anybody else. I thought she did a hell of a job. Uh, she did, and I don't know if she still – I imagine she hired her full-time ESPN. She used to work for the San Diego Padres uh, baseball club and do their their their, their dugout reports. And She's just well-spoken. She's, a, you know, I believe what was her last name, McKinnon back then? McKinnon. McKeeman, okay, yeah. 
Yeah, so, she's a yeah. former Miss Florida. Right, okay? absolutely. And, Hello. Uh, and she's and, well-spoken. She and yeah. I covered a Hueytown game when Jameis was playing together. Right. Laura's was my adopted niece, man. Thomas yeah. knows we had like a, we had like a <laughs> Terry Clark, T- Laura McKeeman, like a 45-minute interview one night in BAMS when it was just me and Thomas Hosen. <laughs> well, that's yeah. great. I mean, she yeah, was had a moment. Man. It was nice. And she, you can tell she's sports savvy, and she knows what she's Very. talking about. And, and here's a, and see, and another, and see, another good tidbit was one of my favorites of all time. It just doesn't have to do with Laura, but it just shows what sideline reporters have to do. And I think it was uh, Tracy uh, Wolfson. Uh, it was one of my all-time favorites in, in 2008 in the Iron Bowl when Alabama won 36 nothing, and we were dominating Auburn, and Saban wanted to score again. And he went down the bench and said, "You know how much I hate these bleeps." They didn't say bleeps, but they just said, you know how much I hate these guys? We've got to score again. And it was my favorite moment of the whole 2008 season because then we wow. threw a bomb over their heads to Maze with McElroy in there, and then Saban was asking about it in the press conference. He says, hey, if they're going to play press man, we're going to throw it over their heads. Yeah, I remember all that one slide. I that one slip on the sidelines when Maze caught that ball. It was something – uh, along the lines of take that to you MFs, but I, I wasn't proud. I wasn't, that, I wasn't proud. I said it, but it, you know it was our bold passion moment. Let me tell you something else. Laura told us on the show, Drew. You'll think this is hilarious. Uh, when Urban was still at Florida, Laura was in school there, and she was an athletic hostess. And uh, they knew that they had to, they had one last small straw at, at turning Trent right before signing day. Right. So Trent goes down to Gainesville for a visit, and Urban specifically requested athletic hostesses who were physically gifted, as in <laughs> apparently Urban found out Trent was a breast man or whatever, and he specifically, who were I forgot how Laura worded it, but it was something like physically gifted hostesses on this to host this this recruit. So, and that that was the kind of thing she shared with us on BAMS that night, but. Laura's great, and you know we could probably get her on here one night if y'all want to. Uh, oh yeah, I'll, I'll check into it. Uh, Absolutely, because working for the SEC now would be great. Yeah. yeah, but 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 she probably has some stories from the sidelines that she didn't tell from Saturday too. And uh, she got drenched. God bless her. I didn't even get a chance to go in and talk to her because they called the game before I could get to the sidelines. So we had to make a mad dash to the press box, which has now been well documented. Okay, but, uh, okay. Anyway, I've got I've got to ask you something because you may be one of the few that might know this. And I'm just looking at him. I've been, I've been asked this question by multiple people. Who is the guy? I know who Cedric is, but who is the redheaded white dude that's always next to Saban? I don't know. He must be a graduate student or something because that dude. He's always next to him in practice. He was next to him uh, on the sidelines at the end of the half when 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 Alabama went into the half after when it was raining. I just. I don't know. That's that's Maybe crazy. he's a bizarro Tim Watts. I don't know, man. But it, I don't know who he is. I've been asked. He's a big. I don't big, know. I mean, I, I could. I, we could probably pour through the media guide and try to figure it out. But <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. It's yeah, a good I, question. I'll do some research on it. I might be able to find out. Yeah, he could. You know, you can sell fish to find out. We'd know in about 20 minutes. But. Oh yeah, exactly. I need to tell him like, hey man, call 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 Who's big red? <laughs> yeah, who's big red? Hey, I, I'm speaking of, speaking of orange, uh, Drew, you were not there, but at, at the halftime of the game, they honored the SEC champion softball team from last year. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, I don't love Jaden Spencer to death. I really do. She can crush the ball. But do you really walk out at Bryant Denny at halftime to get your ring wearing an orange sundress? Really, Jaden? Yeah, really? It was Holy hot orange. It was that neon orange. It was still orange. Face. 
Oh, I was I heard, there. I, was, I, I, I made a tweet to the SID about it, and then I found out later he was working a volleyball game. There was nothing he could have done. Well, he, I'll say this. Her teammates ought to be all over her for that one. They shouldn't even have allowed it. But I guess they just don't take it. You know what? I, I guess it just don't mean that much to them. <laughs> I just didn't, man. Well, I she, just is from, hey, she is from Iowa, Carrie. Come on, yeah, man. I mean, you know. That's the same. Well, Murphy is, too, so there's no excuse. <laughs> I thought that was just really unique. Uh, but anyway, uh, some other things about the game. Uh, I was glad, Drew, very glad, that uh, our young punter, J.K. Scott, didn't have to make an appearance. But yeah. I thought it might have been nice, maybe second half, to let him kick off a couple times, but they never did. Right. I, maybe we'll see that this if they take care of business this week. I'd like to see his leg. But oh, they'll take care of business this week. But, I'll, but, uh, this but is I'll not a good this. thing they're playing. Oh, no. But it's not It's not you and I of Southern Mississippi. But I just uh, – Hey, Richard Collier, he ain't walking through that door. No, he's not. It is Brett Favre and, you know, no. Lord, they, they, Brett Favre fucked up when he did Alabama. Ray, uh, Reggie Collier earned it when he beat him. Yeah, but, well, you know, but Brett breathed a lot of – Remember that he beat Auburn, he beat Florida State. I mean, they beat a lot of good teams. When he he beat Alabama on a, because Al, because Saran Stacy let a ball go through his hands and got in step. And I'll tell you this: Auburn didn't play that good that day. I don't know how how many years in advance they made that they scheduled the game, but my suspicions are Mississippi State wouldn't have scheduled Southern Miss if they were the old Southern Miss. But that's no, I guarantee they wouldn't have. Something that's pretty cool, I think, is uh, Southern Miss is starting quarterback. Um, Mullins, former Spain Park player, uh, Nick, Nick Mullins, uh, his mom is actually a friend of mine. Uh, she used to live across the street from my in-laws in Great right. and she is now taking a job back in her home state of Arkansas. But she goes to all the games. So, I know, I've, you know, I've met Nick, I've interviewed him, all that. And his offensive coordinator at the time I was scouting Nick, Chad Lindsay, was a head coach of Spain Park. He's now a coordinator yeah. at Southern Miss. And yeah, he is. That's pretty cool. Well, uh, that being said, they're going to get the hell beat out of him. Well, here's another tidbit from Chip Lindsey, uh, Kerry. He's from my neck of the woods. He went to Bob Jones High School. Did he? He was a wide receiver, and he played at University of North Alabama. I didn't uh, know he that. He was UNA line. Uh, then he I went him. Coaching. He just come over from high school coaching in Georgia. Right. He, yeah, he, had, he, he coached at Lassiter. He actually coached Philip Lutz and Kirchner, oh. uh at Lassiter High School. Another twist. And, uh, then he, and then he, he left to go into – that was his first journey, I think, when he left there is when he went to coach at Troy. Uh, under Larry Blakeney, and then he went to Spain Park. And uh, after he went to Spain Park, he left to go to Auburn, and now he's at Southern Miss. So he's had quite a journey. Uh, at one time, I think uh, he, he was he, – I think before he went to uh, – uh, before I, I want to say before he got the job at Lassiter, he was – I think he worked for Rush Prost at Hoover. Now, Bob Jones tried to hire him at one time, but uh, they just couldn't compete money-wise with the high school jobs he was getting a chance to have. And uh, – a lot of people thought he was going to stay at Spain Park uh, for the long term, but he's just—I think he's always had his eyes on being a college coach. And he's a fast riser, but uh, he's in a difficult situation because uh, it's hard for me to believe how bad or how far Southern Miss has fallen since Larry Fedora left to go to North Carolina. But they made two—they they made a poor hire in Ellis Johnson. He went 0 and 12, lasted a season. And now they've got Todd Monken trying to fix it, but it uh, wasn't pretty last year, and so far this year, Kerry, not much better. I want to remind everyone that uh, you can call us live at 714-510-3707 and chat us up here at BAMS Radio. We'd love to take your questions or your comments. Again, the number is 714-510-3707. 
we thought Big C might be going to call him, but, uh, you know, I ain't going to beg him. We got plenty <laughs> to talk about. He knows the number. It's his, his, his old ass went to sleep on the couch. That's on him. Uh, but anyway, uh, well, I'll probably dog him on the uh, air when I'm on his show this coming Friday morning on his uh, AM station in Greenville that I give commentary on for about 10 or 15 minutes. You think he can pull Brett Favre? Uh, to be on the show? Yeah. And asking what? I don't know. Why does Southern Miss suck? <laughs> well, because we don't have any players. <laughs> is Red still an offensive coordinator in high school? He is a consultant uh, now, I think. Matter of fact, guess who the offensive coordinator is? For who? For uh, school farms with? Yeah, I think it's Oak Ridge High School. And uh, I don't know, Reggie Collier. Nope, Ray Perkins. Oh, wow, what a staff. <laughs> what a staff. That's up now, there with Jimmy Perry's staff at St. James. Now, now Brett was the offensive coordinator last year, at, and they won the state championship. So well, they went from a junior college head coach to a high school offensive coordinator. Well, do they pay him? I, I, I don't know. I, I heard he was going to be a volunteer coach, but was going to be the offensive coordinator. I think Ray just wants to coach. I, my suspicions are financially he's probably okay. I just think he wants to be around young people, but uh, that's. I was sort of surprised he he got out of it at Jones, but he may he may have got tired of recruiting. We would be remiss, Drew, if we didn't give Thomas a chance to give us his preview of all three phases of Southern Miss this week. Well, he's, he's he'll, be, he'll be doing uh, the scouting report, uh, the written one for uh, Alabama Intel. So yes, we need to get a preview from Thomas Watts. <laughs> yeah, Thomas. Uh, uh, the 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 Drew, Drew and I are about talked out here. We need to get some uh, some uh, a break. Well, so, I, I completely understand. Uh, okay, just to echo what both of you said, this team is not very good, and that, that's putting it kindly. They have scored two wins. Over the past two plus years, their first win was the last game of last year against UAB, and their oh second, Lord, yeah, they, they beat UAB, and then they're not going through this year. <laughs> well, <laughs> about that, um, and then this year they did get a win. They beat Alcorn State, the powerful Alcorn State Braves, by oh, a score, Braves. yeah, by a score of twenty-six to twenty. Otherwise, it's been nothing but losses since Larry Fedora left. Ellis Johnson proved once again that he cannot head coach his way out of a paper bag and deserves to be a coordinator for his, the rest of his existence. And Todd Monken was given nothing and has done very little with it. Anyway, but again, this is not your, your, your grandpappy's Southern Miss, such as it were. The, the team is in a, in a weird transition spot. Uh, the offensive coordinator you mentioned was a guy that worked at Auburn last year. So comparing last year's production to this year's, it's a lot more balanced. Southern Miss lived and died by the pass last year. But this year so far, if you chart their plays, it's about even run pass. I think that's probably going to tend more towards run. I will say, I'm going to get a plug-in for my high school, their starting tailback is, I believe, yeah, he's a true freshman. True freshman, Ito Smith from McGill Tool in my old high school in Mobile. Wow. He has, uh, he, has, he has passed some upperclassmen to be the starting tailback. His stats are modest, four, 45 carry over two games, 45 carries for 161 yards, a 3.6-yard average. But before we pile on Ito Smith, realize that he was, his first game he was running against a Mississippi State team that, while are not world beaters, 
are a definite step above anything Southern Miss has talent-wise. Their worst guy would start for Southern Miss. Right. So it's going to be an interesting balance in terms of offense. Their quarterback is a guy named Nick Mullins. He's from Hoover. Uh, you'll mention it again. He, yeah, there you go. <laughs> he, uh, he has been, he's been around for two years, but he, I would say he didn't have a very good year last year. He completed less than 50% of his passes and he's only completing 55% of his passes this year. So you're not going to get a guy that is going to go all Peyton Manning and throw the ball around the yard. He'll complete a couple on Alabama's defense, but in many ways that's a good thing. If you listened to the show last week, I said it's not so much about what Southern Miss can do. It's what I think Alabama's defense needs to work on against this team. As has you both accurately said, Southern Miss has a lot of spread principles. Alabama will be seeing spread principles from every team they play that will have a heartbeat except LSU. And if LSU's wide receivers develop, you might see some four and five wide receiver sets there. So we'll have some spread tendencies, even though it'll be, it'll be a pro set under offensive coordinator Cam Cameron. Anyway, I'll, I'll preview that game when we get to it. But what Alabama continues to need to work on is their discipline, their ability to, along the defensive line, I'm going to say this every week because it's so important, continue to be disciplined, to know your assignments, to fulfill your assignments, and generate pressure. There, you can argue that Alabama didn't do that in some cases over the past two games. It's like they were tentative, but that's going to get better. It's going to continue to advance. I, I think this is another chance for the defense to prove that discipline and continue to work on communication, something that has been said a bunch of times since Florida Atlantic and was a major problem against West Virginia is there were obvious mental disconnects along the defensive, among the entire defense, excuse me, for West Virginia. That got a heck of a lot better last week thanks to Trey Priest and Eddie Jackson coming back and playing really, really well for a guy that's only been in, been coming off an ACL, you know, astonishingly well. That's just going to get better as everybody continues to gel. So it's not that I'm specifically looking for a ton with the Alabama defense. I'm looking for, just like I said, that gap thing, the gap soundness, and I could explain that, but it would take half an hour. But just continuing to gel, that intangibles, that feeling that, okay, I'll watch this defense, and I know the left cornerback knows exactly what he's doing. And I don't just mean, oh, the left cornerback is good at covering a guy. I mean the left cornerback is showing the proper technique in the certain defense and is able to stick with the guy. It, it, getting deep, trying to drilling into the defense. That's what I want to see from the Alabama defense. Now on the opposite side, talking about the Southern Miss defense, the Southern Miss defense – did a lot of four-man fronts against Mississippi State. It's, I wouldn't call it a true 4-3. They use a bandit, which is kind of a short, fast rusher, but not a true defensive end. But they also use a spur, much like West Virginia did. So if I'm reading their stuff right and I watched film properly, I think their base defense is a 4-2-5, which is... Again, it's, it's, it would be the closest uh, comparison I can make is Alabama's nickel defense. Five defensive backs on the field, but you get 
in a weird spot when you talk about gap assignments along the defensive line. But sorry, check. Um, so so I, I, it, it's a weird it's a weird defense. I think it's going to be something where Alabama is going to do a lot of what they did last week if they want to. They can just mash Southern Miss. They don't have the bodies inside. Yes, the defensive line does have experience. Looking at the two deep published in their media guide, there's only one sophomore that starts along at the rest are upperclassmen. The two deep only has two sophomores and a freshman. So there's obviously a ton of experience along that line. But they just don't have they don't have the oomph. And I know that sounds kind of hokey, but they, they simply don't have it. This is a team that, again, got walloped by Mississippi State 49 to nothing. Alabama will be able to do whatever they want, however they want. So much like I said with the how I want to see Alabama's defense respond to Southern Miss's offense, I want to see Alabama's offense respond to Southern Miss's defense. I think it's pretty well said. I said earlier, and Drew and, and Kerry, you also said, Blake Sims is the starter. I want to see if Southern Miss does something crazy like tries to press Alabama's wide receivers. Alabama will score 100 points if they do that. I want to see how the offense changes. Now, the first-team offense, like I said, will move up and down the field ad infinitum. I do want to see Jake Coker again. I think he was hyped out of his mind when he first got on the field because everything was sailing. I, I, I – the, the nacho guy had a better chance of catching some of those passes he threw him so so high. But as he settled in, you saw the guy start to progress, start to do some good stuff. I want to see if a week in the film room and kind of knocking the rust off, if he starts to look better. I frankly don't know, but even if Blake Sims is a starter, you want to see your backup quarterback that – barring something awful like an injury or him doing something ridiculous like coming out is going to be Alabama's starting quarterback next year. Kind of a preview. I think, that's, I think that's important. But, again, this game is more about Alabama continuing to gel and continuing to do things and figuring stuff out. Kerry, you mentioned earlier in, this, in the broadcast that Derrick Henry, T.J. Yeldon probably won't see very much action. They didn't see very much action against Florida Atlantic, excuse me, they probably will not see very much action against Southern Miss. Alabama's going to be up and down the field doing whatever the hell they want. Special teams, uh, I, okay, here's your, here's your great special teams asterisk. They're all upperclassmen. That, that, that's pretty much all I've got. When, when, you're, when your signature victory is an Alcorn State team that I didn't even know their mascot was the Braves before I started, before I started scouting them, and an annihilation at the hands of Mississippi State, your best unit so far has been your special teams, and it's not really that amazing. So if we're going to do picks, frankly, I'm not – I think Alabama might actually cover the spread on this one, and I realize the spread's like 50, but I don't think that Nick Mullins, the quarterback, is going to be able to do very much throughout the game, and I think this could be a second second shutout. And if Coker is more comfortable with the offense, then the offense will move better once Blake Sims directs three or four touchdown drives, and then we'll see how he progresses. So I think Alabama's going to win something like 52 to nothing. This is going to be over quick. I'm with you there. 52. Yeah. I got 52 also. One field goal, seven touchdowns. Saban's not going to 
try to humiliate them. No, I, I don't, and that, that's that's a good point. Now, I want to reinforce that. I don't think Nick Saban's going to try and humiliate Southern Miss. I think the Alabama offense, as it continues to tune and tweak and get get to that you know that that sweet spot where they're it's humming like a well-oiled machine, they're just going to naturally score on this team, even if they try not to. Drew, what do you got pick-wise? I'm going to get your pick, and then we do have Big C on hold. I, I, I'm along the same lines as you guys. I'm more along the lines of 56-3. to three. I think they might get a field goal out of it against some of our backups. But I think Alabama was going to win the game easily, play a lot of guys, empty the benches, and then they'll get to the real grind, which is the SEC opener uh, against the Florida Gators at home uh, September the 20th in what should be a live and raucous atmosphere. Well, All right. Well, since uh, two uh, two of us had the same pick, I'll change mine to fifty-two to three. Oh, I thought okay. you said. I thought. I, I'm sorry. I, didn't, I thought you said a, a shutout. No, no. I had fifty-two nothing, just like Thomas. But I'm oh, okay. Thomas says fifty-two nothing. I got fifty-two three. You got fifty-six three. And we're going to take a break in about four minutes. But before we do that, why don't we bring on Big C from Greenville, Alabama? What's going on? I'm sorry I didn't call earlier. I got a little uh, involved with talking to somebody, but I'm here. Uh, I thought, I think right now it looks like to me the quarterback, uh, the main quarterback, we figured out who he is now. What do y'all think? Totally agree with you. It's Blake Sims. Yeah, I'm saying Sims is the man, I think. Uh, we agree. Yeah, we, we, we do agree with that. Uh, and uh, Big C, uh while we got you on the phone, uh, tell us about your uh, internet TV show and who you got lined up for this Saturday. Okay, I, it's called Talking Bama with Big C. And it's uh, what it is. I talked about that week's opponent, and this week's guest is Ken Wilder. And why you have him on there is probably why you're asking. And the deal is, he played in the last game that was ever played in Mobile against Southern Mississippi at Ladd Stadium, and he played in the first game in Tuscaloosa that was ever played on AstroTurf when they played Southern Mississippi the next year. And we're going to go talk about that, and we're going to talk about the history of the series, and we're going to do the breakdown. But my prediction of the game, since y'all making predicts on this game, is I picked 49-7. to 7. I don't know, though. I know you think they're going to – it looks like how y'all think they're gonna score in the fifties. What do y'all? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, is that right? Yeah, we all had over low over fifty. But I mean, look, you got a good enough scores. I mean, it's it, it's all those are pretty much in the same ballpark. Yeah. But uh, let me ask y'all this: With uh, Eddie Jackson and uh, I mean uh, Trey DePriest coming back, that makes me feel a little more comfortable about the defense. I know they still got some work to do. What do y'all think? Oh, I think no doubt, Big C. I think they've still got work to do. As Coach Saban said today in his press conference, they're really harping on tackling and wrapping up. A great example is Rayshon Evans. He got the sack because the young man's knee was down, but the quarterback almost escaped. Luckily, Tim Williams would have been there to clean it up, but it was another situation of uh, they didn't wrap up real well. I think they're at corner, at defensive back. Eddie did a great job with physical against the run. They want to see better tackling out of Cyrus Jones, uh, Geno Smith, and that crew back there. And I hope to see, and this is a young player, Kerry, and I really haven't talked about as much, but I'm hoping to see some more reps for Maurice Smith. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, good, I man. think Maurice looks pretty good when he got in there. Uh, you know, he, need, he needs experience. Uh, Geno is, what, a junior this year? 
Uh, yes. So we need somebody to be ready to step in down the road at the nickel. And I thought uh, Jabril Washington looked pretty good at the dime. I was a little, I was pleasantly surprised and happy for the young man. Yeah, I mean, well, I hope he can produce. Uh, you know, I've been down on him in his career, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a redshirt junior. He's been around a long time at the very least. He ought to have uh, excellent mental retention and know the defense backwards and forwards. And maybe there's always a guy that blossoms late in their career under Saban Carey, and maybe Jabril Washington can be one of those guys. That'd be nice. Uh we're uh, sort of up against the break, but uh, before we let you go, Big C, you got any more questions for us? No, I just want to say, uh, jive.com to show, look at the show, and also like us on Facebook, and I'll be giving you a holler uh, Friday morning. I'll make sure of that, big man. All right, Big C, always good visiting with you. That's Colin Big C McGuire, former University of Alabama football manager in 78 and 79, still proudly displays his national championship ring. And a long-term friend of mine, Colin and I met uh, in the fall of 77 when I was a freshman and he was a sophomore transferring in from Marion Institute. And we have stayed friends th- that long. And we talk about him on a regular basis. Glad to have him. But it is three minutes before the hour, and uh, we do have Rodney Orr coming up shortly after the night. Right now we're going to take a break. You're listening to BAM's Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Take Bama Sports Radio with you on the go and in your car with the free iPhone app. With cutting-edge features including live broadcasts, on-demand radio, play-pause buttons, and text connect, allowing you to text into shows giving True Tide fans an interactive sports radio experience like never before. Go to BamaSportsRadio.com or search Bama Sports Radio in the iPhone app store to get true 24-hour radio on Alabama sports anywhere in the world, only from Bama Sports Radio. Keep up with Bama Sports Radio off the air and on the move for the latest news and programming on all things Alabama. Follow us on Twitter at Bama Sports Radio and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bama Sports Radio. Bama Sports Radio, giving you all tide, all the time. Right here at bamsradio.com. 
So, what makes BAM's tailgate so darn special? Sunbelt Inflatable Tents can supply you with custom-designed tents for your tailgate needs. Corporations, businesses, or just the most hardcore fans are the customers of Sunbelt Inflatable Tents. Reach them at their website, www.sunbeltinflatabletents.com, and ask for Billy. Or call 251-247-1169 to order. The FCC can add all the teams at once. We're still number one. Roll Tide! This is BAM's Radio. minute after the hour wherever you are it's one minute after the hour somewhere and uh, you're listening to bams radio on blog talk radio i'm Kerry clark of bamamag.com and i'm joined by drew Armand of alabamaintel.com and back in the studio we have thomas watts our engineer slash predictioner uh and uh the guy who gives you the previews every week of the upcoming alabama opponent and uh absolutely did a great job and once again, we do thank you. And in just a couple of minutes, we're going to be joined by uh, Rodney Orr of TitleInsider.com. But, Drew, before we bring on Rodney, uh, any other observations that uh, stick out to you about the practice this week or even the game last week? Well, I mean, I, I think it's been interesting to see, um, you know, how people reacted to Jake Coker and Blake Sims. Some of it's been a little frustrating, but I think, most football savvy people realize how far uh, that that he's come as a quarterback, and I think Blake has just done a great job. And I and I think and I've, I've been interested to see you know how people yeah just it was only one play, but how they've reacted to seeing for themselves and everybody has seen it in high school, but just seeing the potential you could see with Tim Williams and Rayshon Evans being on the field and where they could help Alabama's pass rush. Because, again, I think the disappointment has been the defensive line has not brought a lot of pressure uh, in the first two weeks. But I will say this. I think John Allen has played really good football. Uh, I think he's played winning football. Uh, I, and I, I saw some flashes out of A. Sean Robinson. Uh, and I, and I, I don't know about this, Kerry. We talked about it just a little bit. But I've been very, very pleased with the offensive line. Oh, they did a great job last night. And that was uh... – uh, last week, but last night that was a, a hot topic when you and I both heard uh, William Redfish Barger speak up in Huntsville, Alabama, and uh, I'm not sure if uh, he listens to BAMs or not, but shout out to Mike Bentley because whatever the record is for questions asked at one booster meeting, <laughs> it is gone. The guy asked at least 10 questions, and in many cases, the question was longer than the answer. 
So shout out to Mike Bentley, who had at least 10 or 12 questions last night. Shout out to BBA. Brian had about five, and Bama Zach had about five. But they couldn't, they couldn't keep up with Mike, Drew. He outlasted them to the end. Uh, but that <laughs> sure being did. said, uh, I was really just trying to get the guy on hold to laugh because I'm sure he can identify all that. Because this gentleman has also spoken up in Huntsville, as have I, and as has Drew. But we're welcoming in now to BAMS Radio uh, a good friend of the show and a good friend of ours, Rodney Orr of TylerInsider.com. Rodney, thank you so much for being with us. Terry? Yes, Rodney. Doing great. Hello. Good to hear from you, Rodney. Glad to hear it. And Rodney, uh, off the bat, uh, seems like a lot of, uh, I don't want to say shuffling, but a lot of uh, experimenting seems to be going on on the offensive line right now. Still kind of a work in progress, even though they had great production the first couple of games. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, again, I think they're still trying to see that, that right guard. You know, that works out, obviously. I think Leon's kind of starting to really pick it up better and uh, seems to have the inside track on holding that spot down. But, uh, you know, both those guys have played. And I think for the most part, when you're talking about the offensive line, they've played really well. First two games, probably better than a lot of people expected, um, you know, uh, initially, anyway. I think that's certainly, uh, you know, safe to say. Yeah, yeah. Rodney, I, I would totally agree with that. I thought it was very interesting today uh, that you saw Dylan Lee being the first, you know, the, the lone linebacker or, or in the first team linebacker in the nickel package. But I think with Dylan, uh, I think his role will expand as the season goes on because. He was in place of Reggie Ragland, who, but I think Dylan Lee is a better athlete than Reggie Ragland and would be better in coverage, and I think that's why you see him uh, uh, make a move in the nickel, at least it could be happening. And I just wondered what your thoughts were, because I've been a little bit surprised Dylan has not got a lot of reps defensively so far. What are your thoughts on Dylan Lee and his expanding role? Well, I, mean, I think it's uh, exactly, I don't know, because they're what ten minutes, maybe at the most, on a good day. Right. So I mean, they're shuffling guys in and out, but and I don't know if he's a better athlete than Reggie because Reggie Ragland is one. Uh, but but I'll say this: maybe just get. Uh, Dylan's probably is, is a. And so maybe that helps him in that particular package. But, uh, uh, you know, both those guys certainly uh, are guys that are going to uh, in many ways as we, as we start to move forward. And I agree with you about Dylan. I think he's, in, you know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, his, his athleticism could do a lot. Did we lose him? What happened? I had to stop. Uh, I'm, I'm here, uh, fellas. Okay, good. I, I, it, it just seems like there was a little bit of a technical difficulty, but I agree with Rodney. I think uh, Dylan Lee uh, has got a chance to be a really good player. I just think his, his role is going to be uh, uh, expanding as the season goes along. Uh, I think Reggie has played solid football. I'm anxious to see how, uh, you know, how if Reuben Foster can continue to improve uh, and get more reps. He didn't get a ton of reps uh, on Saturday, at least as many as you would have thought. 
but I think they need they need to get Trey Dupree's back in shape because I think I thought Trey played pretty well, but I think it was obvious he hadn't had a lot of game action. And uh, you know he's been coming back from that knee, and I think he just the, the, the I think Trey will need at least two solid quarters of worth of action on Saturday because he's going to be very important from this point forward. Yes, uh, you know it's knowledge the defense. I think it certainly looked like uh, you know Saturday to me that there was less confusion out there. I think a lot of it had to do with Trey Dupree's just you know kind of getting everybody lined up properly. And uh, making the calls that that was, you know, I think that that certainly lent some confidence to uh, to all the the defensive players, you know, having him on the field and and doing his role. But uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how how we move forward. I thought it was good also to see some of the young guys. I don't know if you guys you guys have touched on that yet, but some of the young guys that got in on defense and you know, talking about you know even Sean Deion Hamilton got to play some. Uh, a few snaps, and uh, Tony Brown obviously got in the game, too, at corner. You know, Rashawn Evans, Tim Williams, although he's a sophomore, but still a young player. And it was good to see he and Rashawn Evans on the field together, and I think both those guys bring up or going, are going to bring a lot of excitement to, in terms of their pass rushing ability. They are, Rodney, but uh, I think Rashawn had a, a teachable moment when he got that sack and celebrated and. It appeared to us at first that it wasn't a sack that Tim Williams had to bring the guy down, but the replay show he did, his knee was on the ground. But he had a teachable moment when uh, Kirby Smart made him watch his celebration on the scoreboard at Bryant Denny. Yeah, and, you know, Coach Saban was asked about what exactly asked, what did the coaching staff do. You know, Coach Saban was just talking about what, a you know, that they made it. You know, he did a great job. You know, he had great pressure on the guy, made the sack and all that. But, you know, that if you don't get the guy on the ground, you don't wrap him up, you know. Uh, you know, so just, you know, to make sure. So, you know, when you hit the guy, make sure you wrap him up or try to wrap him up. I think it was kind of an odd situation, though, because just as Rashawn was getting ready to lower the boom, the guy kind of ducked. And it, uh, you know, just at the right time. And, Rashawn almost kind of went over him a little bit, but did take him to the ground, as you guys noted. And, you know, again, Tim Williams was right there just in case he needed to clean up. Rodney, I'm a little curious, uh, and I know part of the reason is the return of Eddie Jackson, and I get that. But I'm a little curious as to why or when we're going to see the first action of Marlon Humphrey. Could that be this week? Well, you know, that's the thing because – uh, now you're talking about defensive snaps. I haven't seen him on the field personally. On he hasn't been. Teams, but, but but somebody uh, I know that they, the play charts list him as, as being on the field on uh, um, the on the special teams. But I have not seen him on the field. Have you guys seen him? No, he hasn't been, and I I haven't seen a play chart unless it was one y'all got Monday. But uh, the, the ones well, that gave out the two games, the he didn't show up on. Charts included him as a guy in player participation. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. But I haven't seen him play, and I know knew he hadn't played, you know, any defensive snaps. But, you know, that's an interesting question. It's one that, you know, who knows? We'll see. I, you know, I, I, was, I, I really kind of thought just my own guess, and it was nothing more than a guess, that he would probably have played Saturday. But, you know, again, you never really know. 
Yeah, it's interesting too, Rodney. And I, I, I wanted to get your thoughts also on the uh, on the offensive line. I think they're making good progress. I think the first group has played well. Uh, it looks like Leon is still pushing Shank uh, Taylor to the right guard spot. Uh, that looks like a definite battle that's going to be ongoing. My my gut's telling me that Leon's going to get another chance to start uh, this coming week. But I just wanted to know what you kind of thought. I think they're developing some nice depth, but it looks like, to me, they want to redshirt all the, the freshman offensive linemen at this point because Perchbacher did not play last week. I do not believe. I believe it was Lua Tua who was the second string left guard. So, uh, But I think they're still putting together a pretty uh, pretty good second-team offensive line thus far. Yeah, and, and, again, I agree with you. I think probably, you know, when you're talking about Josh Gasher, J.C. Hassenauer, and Ross Pierce-Backer, I think all three of those guys, you know, most likely red shirt. I think that's probably the thing that they would like to do and probably at this point maybe thinking they're going to do. You never really know, you know, how things can change, but uh, that's what you would expect. And I think when you look at the, you know, the second-team offensive line, there's some guys that, you know, certainly got some valuable experience playing, you know, Bradley Bozeman at center because let's be honest, Alabama does not really have a backup center with Lindsey leaving after last season and you know, transferring up to Ohio State, which I'm sure you guys may have mentioned, uh, you know, he's now since uh, left Ohio State here this, this week. But, uh, you know, I think that that's certainly, a, a, you know, getting a guy like Bradley Bozeman some reps at the center spot behind Ryan Kelly, you know, that's big. And also, Dominic Jackson got his first action at right. Coach Saban, you know, addressed Dominic playing for the first time today uh, following practice and talked about how he had, you know, he's really got to do a little bit better job of understanding the importance of doing the little things right because it cost him a couple of times in the game. Coach Saban said he whiffed on a couple of guys at times. And um, so that, you know, that's something that, you know, new players especially have to learn the importance of doing things the right way every time or, you know, for them to be successful. So, uh, but again, he talked about the toughness of uh, Dominic Jackson as well as, you know, his physical nature and those types of things does bring to the table that are very positive attributes. Rodney, yeah, let's I talk a little bit about, uh, about recruiting. I know that recruiting has kind of slowed down. Uh, fans ask all the time about the offensive tackle position. Uh, one of the top prospects came off the board today when Drew Richmond committed to Ole Miss. But Drew and I have both heard, and I'm sure you have too, that Mario Cristobal uh, really likes Isaiah Prince. And with the possibility of Lester Cotton being a right tackle upon arrival next year, uh, what are the chances that the left tackle of this class is Isaiah Prince? He and just we, dropped, just, yeah. we just lost Rodney. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm thinking that Justin Coleman, Legend, and Rodney may have the same provider. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I, but we're going to give Thomas time to get him back, and maybe this time he'll uh, get on a little bit better sell. Uh, you know, he lives in Moundville, and I know the service is limited there, but uh, it is what it is. It's, the first time I've noticed uh, an issue with Rodney, but uh, as far as well, I, I do have one little bit of news that came across Twitter. You may have seen, uh, uh, not yet, no, I have uh, Carrie, but we picked up a softball commitment tonight uh, from Elmore High School in Electric, Alabama. Alyssa Brown, 
she's a slapper, shortstop. She's a good athlete, can really run. Looks like she could end up projecting as an outfielder, but she could also play the infield. But she committed tonight to Pat Murphy on Twitter and just looking a little bit of her profile in the film. But it looks like she's a uh, another uh, fast athlete that Coach Murphy has targeted in-state, but she uh, committed to Alabama t- tonight. So she is a senior? I believe so. Because he has been known to get commitments like from tenth graders sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I, oh, I, I, nope, nope. I, well, let me correct that. She's a class of 2016. So she is a currently junior. junior in high school, yes. but still yes. good to have her uh, in the fold. He doesn't hardly ever lose them. I mean, I think I remember him losing one the whole time he's been head coach from these early commitments. So, uh, yeah, Coach Murphy's doing a great job, uh, and uh, I'm sure they're going to be very good again this year. Callie Case, who was uh, one of the most improved players on the team last year, daughter of former Atlanta Falcon and Oklahoma Sooner and Dallas Cowboy, uh, Scott Case uh, is going to be, you know, she's had a great year in left field. Her boyfriend, Drew, former Alabama quarterback Philip Ely, saw his season come to an end after two fantastic games at Dayton this week. Last week. Uh, yeah, he hit Toledo. That's, uh, it was sad. I mean, he threw for well over 300 yards. Uh, his first start in a win, and then they played Missouri this week. I think he went 17 out of 34, threw for over 200 yards, had a decent ball, a pretty good ball game. They tore his ACL, so he's out for the year, and you hate that. I mean, he transferred to, to play and uh, to get hurt. And, and I think he was where he needed to be on a mid-major level and was going to be a good quarterback for them. And you just hate to see uh, that, that he got injured, and hopefully he'll be make it back. I don't know if they can get him a medical red shirt because – they, they, those seem to be more prevalent than usual, Kerry. Uh, they're they're, they're uh, giving a lot of guys six years. I mean, look at D.T. Shackleford at Ole Miss, uh, and he's a kid from my neck of the woods. D.T. went to Austin High. Decatur. But, uh, again, he's a guy that's in his sixth year at Ole Miss. He's wearing the 38, the, the Chucky Mullins jersey. And i got to say, first of all, I saw that documentary uh, this past week, and it was very, very good. And a good friend of mine, I'm on. I was on his radio show today. Got a little cameo in some of the highlights, and that was one Harold Bug. Yes, uh, good guy. You know what's ironic about that? Uh, and I know Rodney's back on hold, and he'll remember this. It, it's interesting that you you mentioned uh, that DT is wearing 38 and got a sixth year. The first guy that I ever knew to get a sixth year was Vernon Wilkinson, Rodney, way back in the day, a defensive back from Enterprise. Got in a car wreck, and they granted him a sixth year of eligibility at Alabama. And we've got Rodney back, and I know you remember that. And, and you know what, Kerry? He 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 wore number thirty-eight as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I was. That, you I, remember yeah, that? I, right. He did. He did. And Rodney was back with us. And uh, right. And Rodney, the question I was asking when we lost you was this: uh, Drew Richmond came off the board today by committing to Ole Miss offensive tackle from Memphis, but we are told that. Uh, that, uh, but Mario Cristobal really, really, really likes Isaiah Prince, who's more of a left tackle, which is what Alabama needs, out of Maryland. Uh, where do things stand with Isaiah? Well, I mean, the last I've heard, you know, Alabama, Florida, Maryland, and I guess Ohio State's in there somewhere maybe. But, uh, you know, I'm kind of like Drew. I, when Maryland's involved and he's from Maryland, with Mike Loxley there as a recruiter, he's been you know an outstanding recruiter, has had a lot of success in influencing kids to Maryland or wherever he's been in the past. I think you always have to keep an eye on him. You know, I was talking to somebody yesterday actually about Marquez Ivy from Apopka, Florida, who 
you know, a lot of people think maybe the best tackle in the country or whatever, but or certainly one of the best. But they said that, um, you know, with Ivy, his decision could impact some guys, including Isaiah Prince, where they ultimately choose because, you know, if Ivy goes to Florida, as I guess a lot of people kind of thought he would, though Auburn's in the mix too, but um, if he were to choose Florida, you know, that could impact some possibly Prince and his choice. And again, if, if uh, but, but again, it's not just Florida that's involved. It's also Maryland too. So, but I think Alabama has an excellent shot. I think Jalen Merrick from East Myrna Beach, Florida is another guy that Alabama's been very interested in. And, you know, we'll see what uh, happens with him. But you know, there's some that have said Florida's the leader for Jalen Merrick too, but we'll see. Well, and I, I've got some questions. Well, uh, just a, just a, to, to ask you a little bit about Merrick, I don't. I know a little bit about the young man. Hadn't seen a whole lot of film of him. Uh, I know you have a lot of contacts throughout the southeast. What have your contacts said about Merrick? Well, I, you know, again, I haven't done too much on him lately. Uh, okay, same here. Honest with you, but can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I haven't done much with uh, on Jalen Merrick here of late, but he is a uh, a kid that's uh, you know obviously got good size. Some people think he's a a right tackle, possibly even a guard, you know, right. on the next level. I guess it just depends. But, uh, you know, obviously he's a really good player and Alabama's really interested in him. You know, we'll see what happens. Supposedly he's going to visit on the, you know, for the Florida game. You know, we'll see what happens. And I say Florida game, I mean, the, obviously the Florida game in Tuscaloosa on September the 20th. Mm-hmm. You know, so we'll kind yeah. of see. Alabama would like to get two more offensive linemen, you know, preferably guys that are, Really, they're looking for tackles, you know, and Prince and you know, possibly Merrick would pick that bill. Well, I got a question on that, the numbers, Rod. Just, I was looking at the numbers, and I was thinking that they could only possibly fit, you know, one more tackle into the class. But, and that's, and then that's, I also love to agree that TD Moten likely won't be in the class. But do you think it'll be a case of them making room for another, ta- another tackle or uh, anticipating losing another prospect, or do you think they have room? Well, I mean, again, well, you know, it, it, you've got to see how it all unfolds. Not really sure right now how, you know, it'll all work out, but it usually does numbers-wise. Don't, you know, they usually kind of fall the way they they need them to. And uh, you know, I, I, you know, what is Alabama at right now? Twenty-one? Is it twenty twenty-one? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's gone back and forth with a couple of guys, but um, you know, I just think Drew that when it comes down to it, that they'll have a spot for. For two offensive tackles, if they get the right ones, right. Rodney, uh, last week I had a chance to see a young man play for the second time. I saw him once his junior year, and now I've seen him his senior year. Uh, I absolutely love him as a player. Drew loves him as a player, and I know you've seen film on him. And apparently, the holdup is a guy that's committed to Georgia, who offered the guy's sister that averaged two points a game in basketball a scholarship. So. What has to happen, Rodney, in your opinion, for Keith Nixon to get a committable offer from Alabama? Well, I mean, I think that probably it just comes down to whether Nick Saban just, you know, makes that final determination and if that's what he wants to do. I think that there's a lot of coaches on the staff. I guess Mario Cristobal recruits that area, and I get the impression, you know, from the interviews we've done of Nixon that, you know, Coach Cristobal really likes him a lot, would like to, you know, have him 
would like to take him. But, again, I think, you know, ultimately it's going to come down to where they stand, possibly with some other prospects. Even Keith Nixon told us that in our recent interview, and he, he didn't come out and exactly say it was Jerry Godwin, who you were referring to just a few minutes ago. But, uh, you know, maybe that's one of the prospects Alabama – you know, thinks they have a chance to possibly flip. We'll, you know, we'll see about that. But, you know, I know that there are a lot of people who are extremely high on Keith Nixon as a return guy, a guy that can play slot receiver, um, you know, and he's a very exciting player. He really is. And I agree 100% with Kerry. I think he's the front runner right now for Michigan football in the state of Alabama. And he, uh, he's got nine touchdowns in three games. And, the thing that excites me about him, Rodney, is he's done it for two years now against high-level competition. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. he, he did it against Hoover last year. He He's done it against Florence, who you know has got several Division One prospects, including Keaton Anderson, who is off to a very strong start for the Florence Falcons, and, and they, they beat a good Muscle Shoals team last week. So I just think right now Keith's a very good football player, and I just want to let you all know as far as for recruiting fanatics, as all of us are on this show, but I believe it's the October the 10th. Remember this, Clay Chalkville and Chase Valley are hooking up. That's going to be a great football game. Well, well I know the guy got to see. Top competition in that game. Yes, absolutely. Another guy I got to see, Rodney, in person for the second time, uh, Deron Payne. Now, they chose wisely, center point, the opposition, not to run up the middle a lot. So we only had a couple of tackles and I think one hurry. But the coolest thing, Rodney, that got down the goal line and I was able to see Deron line up at tight end and actually catch a touchdown pass right in front of me. Wide open, wow. nobody saw it coming. They, they faked to mix them and uh, just rose, rose up and tossed it to a wide open Deron. So uh, he had an interception in his first game. He uh, actually led uh, Mixon on a uh, fullback blocking type play earlier in the game. I saw the second game. And then he lined up at tight end and caught a touchdown. So... Uh, Versatile young man, uh, and Alabama seems, at least in our opinion, Rodney, to be in pretty good shape with pain, regardless of whether or not they offer mixing. Yeah, and as a side note there, as you were commenting on pain and catching the touchdown pass, I remember it made me think back to Anthony Bryant in high school at Sunshine High School, going against Akron High School on a Thursday night way back in the day, and going up in triple coverage and coming down with a touchdown reception. You know, just a really athletic guy, and now, I know Payne's very athletic. Some people have talked about his weight, you know, maybe being a little bit heavy right now. But, uh, you know, I know that he's got a lot of potential as an interior defensive lineman. And, you know, I think Alabama's in really good shape. He's liked Alabama for a while now. I know everybody talks about how he grew up an Auburn fan, but Alabama's done a great job. They've recruited him extremely hard from the very, very start. You know, kind of got an early jump on him, and I think you know they're they're still in position. Obviously, Mississippi State with Keith Mixon committed there right now is trying to make an inroad with him, and you know they they've certainly turned his head a little bit. But you know, I, I think we you have to still say that Alabama's the team to beat. What uh, dominoes need to fall, in your opinion, Rodney, for uh, Hoover linebacker and Auburn commitment uh, Darrell Williams to get a committable tight offer? You know, I, that's a good question. I mean, you know, you really sometimes can't predict these things and how they're going to unfold. I think Alabama's, you know, lo- looking and scouring for, uh, you know, linebackers inside guys, or at least guys versatile enough to play inside uh, the inside backer spots. And, um, you know, I know that he's 
you know, obviously committed to Auburn right now. He was at the game Saturday, I believe. I, th- I think that's uh, – yes, he, yeah, that's right. He was at the game on Saturday. And, you know, at the end when I say game, obviously I'm talking about the Alabama game. And, um, you know, he's just a guy that I know that they're continuing to recruit. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about him, a lot of chatter that he may flip to Alabama at some point. But kind of wait and see how it unfolds, I guess. And I think they're recruiting some other guys, that, you know, inside linebacker. And I know people have talked about Leo Lewis. I'm not really one of those that thinks that, you know, Alabama's, you know, still got a great shot at Leo Lewis. You know, I, I think at this point it's it's safe to, to to speculate that he'll most more than likely end up staying in his in, in his home state at Mississippi State. Yeah, I agree with Rodney there 100%. And I think Rodney – a guy they're still looking at who's committed to another school is Adonis Thomas. And I, it's, I don't know if it's been confirmed yet, but I, he, I think he did tweet the other day he will visit Alabama for the Florida game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a logical game to visit for, you know, with you know he being committed to, to Florida. And you know, I think that the feeling over there, I just talked to a guy in Atlanta just right before we went on about Adonis Thomas. And you know, he thinks that unless Florida, you know, folds, it's going to be, that thought it would be difficult to to get him away from Florida at this point. Now, again, you know we're talking this is September where they got five months to February, whatever right. it is, and you know things change. I mean, you know they changed dramatically. I think a year ago this time we'd all been a consensus that Rashawn Evans was a lot for Auburn, or you, <laughs> you would have thought he would have been a lot for Auburn. You know, and if he went somewhere right. else, the thought was it would probably be Georgia at that time. So a lot of things change, you know, over a period of time. You know, Rodney, when you were talking to that guy from Atlanta a few minutes ago, did you tell Reggie Hay for us? <laughs> I didn't tell Reggie Hay for you, but I would have if I'd have known that you wanted me to. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. And uh, I, I didn't even get a chance to tell him yet about the uh, phantom Reggie imitator that called in a couple last time we were on the air. But I, I got a big kick out of that, and I was able to sit with Gary Harris uh, during halftime in the press box this past week, Rodney, and he well, confirmed to me you gotta, with a straight face. You've to sit with him for four quarters. <laughs> well, uh, you're, you have a lot more patience than I do. But uh, the, uh, the the point is he confirmed to me, to my face, that he indeed did dress up as a senior in high school as Rowdy Roddy Piper and <laughs> terrorize the people in Heflin. <laughs> well, I'm sure Redfish will get a kick out of that if he's listening. Yeah, I'm sure he will. Or call in this Reggie yet again. Uh, Rowdy Redfish is asleep right now. Well, Mike Bentley wore him out last night, Rodney. He about 12 <laughs> questions in Archibald. 12 questions from the same guy. And Zach and Brian have about five each, but they couldn't hang with Mike. Good Lord. <laughs> yes, it was quite interesting. But, Rodney, we want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, you, you As always, uh, a great friend of the show and uh we look forward to seeing you Saturday at the game. And also, uh, since we haven't let you done do this yet, why don't you tell people what they need to do if they want to sign up for Titer Insider? Well, it's TiterInsider.com. It's $48 a year. Now you can get instant access with a credit card. If you, if you feel more comfortable sending a check, there's an address there. You can do that. And, again, it's $48 a year. And it provides you with all the updates that we do, but also access to our forums and, you know, that, all sports for them. It can get pretty wild and woolly at times. So, But, again, it's just uh, $4 a month, $48 a year. Rodney, I think you should toss in a bonus tonight, just for tonight, if they call tonight, okay? 
if they come to the next TI gathering, they get to meet all five Jake Lamottas. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could. And that's them just suspended me for saying that. I'm sorry, but I had it was just you know. <laughs> well, no, I, no, I, and before Rodney goes, I, I don't know if he saw this on Twitter, and somebody may have linked it on his site uh, today. Uh, but everybody that's listening as well for all the recruiting fans, tomorrow night at 6 p.m. on ESPNU, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick will be live on ESPNU against St. Virgin's Catholic or Virgin's Catholic High School, which is a we got the quarterback uh, from uh, Virgin's Catholic, Jay Gartonimo. I think I'm butchering the last name, but he has been offered by Alabama. He's a 2016 quarterback, so it should be a heck of a matchup. Uh, you got an Alabama commitment and then one that's being heavily pursued by Alabama who's visited Alabama recently. So that should be a heck of a high school matchup on ESPNU at 6 p.m. Central tomorrow night. Yep, it's going to be fun to watch. Well, Rodney, thanks as always for uh, joining us. Uh, always, always do a great job, and we're going to continue to have you on. Uh, at, at least once a month minimum, as long as you'll have us. And we appreciate it again. But, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thanks so much again to Robbie Orr of TireInsider.com who joined us tonight here on BAMS Radio. And, Drew, uh, it's always a good segment to roll, Rodney. Um, yep, always. Even, even if we don't always have the uh, – even if the Mamble cell reception didn't work in like we would hope. But, but, hey, you know what? Actually, we got him back on the phone. I heard it. It's great. Day. Thomas did some stuff uh, back in the studio to clean things up for us. And uh, good segment as always. And uh, we actually still have 27 more minutes left in our show. And we want to hear from some other folks out there in the audience. Uh, 714-510-3707. Again, 714-510-3707. Give us a call. And you, too, can be a guest on BAMS Radio, who uh, on Blog Talk Radio. And so proud to be a part of the family now at Bama Sports Radio. They are running our podcasts on a regular basis now. We're in the loop with them. And uh, that has gotten us uh, four figures worth of new listenership, and we appreciate that. And uh, John Garcia of Scout helped us get that going, and Thomas actually closed the deal, so we're all happy about that. That being said, uh, Drew, uh, so I want to toss out something now that's a little bit controversial uh, that, that Redfish said last night, but if he hadn't said it, I was actually going to ask him about it, and that's this. Uh, one of the biggest reasons, and let's, let, let's just call it like we see it, uh, one of the biggest reasons that Alabama has not signed more African-American quarterbacks is that recruiters, such as Damian Craig, but he's not the only one, have told certain kids that were close to committing or strongly considering Alabama as African-American quarterbacks out of high school, that you'll never play there, you'll never start there. Uh, that is one aspect of Blake Sims being on the cusp of claiming this job that I see really helping Alabama down the road. Am I right or am I wrong, Drew? Oh, uh, yeah, I really I think it will help Alabama down the road if Blake Sims can have a really good year, no doubt about that. I mean, the, it's, a, it's, it's a garbage perception, first of all, because he had several African-American quarterbacks at LSU, and, then, and, and, and coming from Damian Craig is an absolute joke, considering guess who gave him his first college job? Nick, that Nick Saban at LSU when he was a graduate assistant. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, Damian Craig is cut from the same cloth as Rodney Garner, 
and uh, and Joe Witt, which means they'll never coach at Alabama, which means they're scumbags uh, for the audience. But anyway, this is an Alabama show. But uh, like I say, I just it, the whole perception bothers me. But it would be, I think it would be a big time feather in the cap. And I mean, and also Philip Sims uh, not succeeding as a prospect. But a lot of that is, was discussed last night, Kerry was on Phillips, Sims' dad, and then Phillips, because Phillips at uh, Winston-Salem State is a backup quarterback now. Yep. Uh, so, he's some game action. But, and, yeah, Saban signed Phillips, Sims. He signed Star Jackson. But yes. uh, the, 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 what was being used against him was that he wouldn't start him. Uh, now that's out because until further notice, Blake Sims is a starting quarterback at Alabama. He happens to be an African-American. That That is not – by far uh, that big of a deal as far as the fact that he's playing quarterback. The fact is, it, 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 he is a, his being successful in that position is going to open up things for, for recruiting down the road for Saban or if someone on Saban's staff keeps, you know, keeps the ball rolling when Nick finally goes back to the lake. Uh, I, I just feel like it's huge, and I was really, really glad that that came up last night. Something else that came up that I thought was funny uh, – was uh, when William said basically that the whole Alabama nation, and you and I are both guilty of this, Drew, had anointed Jake Coker the starter before he ever signed. Yeah, I, I raised my hand and said guilty. I'm guilty as, as H-E double hockey sticks. And Blake Sims basically quietly just went about his business, worked hard, watched film, went to a quarterback coach aside from Kiffin, listened to Kiffin, paid attention to meetings, threw the receivers on the side, studied the playbook, watched more film, and basically, I'll put it like William put it last night. He said, Bammers, take this and stick it up your so, – and you know what? He didn't say those words, but his actions said those words. And I just – you know, I don't want to continue to beat this horse, but I, I just think as a young man and, and as his performance the first couple of games, completing 76%, a little bit more than that of his passes, you've you got to take your hat off to Blake Sims as a man – as a student and as a quarterback, Drew. Yeah, I just really uh, – I agree with William 100% about how it's been one of the great stories of being an Alabama fan thus far. I mean, you know, Blake is just taking the bull by the horns and just gone about his business, hasn't sulked, didn't sulk when they hired Jake Coker, unlike Philip Sims' dad who wanted – yes, folks, wanted a book written about his son before he'd ever practiced. And was going to let our pal Cecil Hurt write that book. Sorry that didn't work out for those, that group of folks, but hey. Yeah, what right now would be at the dollar store, brothers. No, no, no disrespect. The penny store. <laughs> but uh, I'm just saying that uh, you know it's it's one of those things where, uh, I, but it is. It's been great, and I just hope it continues to do to uh, work out. And to be honest with you, Carrie, you follow recruiting. I follow recruiting. I watched Blake Sims' film when he was in high school. I was thinking the kid, the guy would be a safety or a wide receiver. And, but he's been able to bust his butt. He was more comfortable at quarterback. I'll never forget him trying to play running back, and he just looked uncomfortable. And Coach, he, he drew the ire of Coach Saban many a time when he got to appear in a game. But he's just busted his tail and stayed with it, got his degree, and, and uh, he, hopefully he's going to have a good year. And I, I still don't think he'll play in the NFL, of course, as a quarterback. But he can have a memorable year and have an impact uh, and a lasting one on Alabama's program if, it, if this continues. Now, if he don't make it in the NFL, by golly, I'll be watching him on fourth and loud playing for the L.A. Kiss next year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you Listen, go. but you know what, Drew? 
here, here's something. I don't know what year this young man is, but uh, defensive back Chris Boyd has announced uh, from Texas that he is going to take an official visit to Alabama. So I'm thinking he is a senior cornerback. Do you know the name Chris Boyd? With Chris uh, McKay? Chris McKay? Okay. Chris I, with a K, Boyd. Okay, Chris with a Boyd. Yes, I believe I do know uh, Chris Boyd. I'm looking that up right now. Um, he's, uh, I believe he's been to Alabama on more than one occasion. I think he camped at Alabama on multiple occasions. Okay, well, John but, uh, of Scout is announcing on Twitter that four-star Texas cornerback talent Chris Boyd yeah. is saying that he's tweeting himself that his second official will be to Alabama. So his second officials, that tells him he's a 15 kid. He yeah. is. He's a class 2015 from Gilmer, Texas. I was his size. Six foot, 181. So he's a class oh, yeah. of 2015. So Sounds like he's, So he's, uh, he's somebody they're still interested in. And I think, you know, I think we all know who the top guy is, but that, he may be hard to get. Uh, Sheffield? You know, yeah, Kendall Sheffield from um, Mesquite, Texas, Missouri, Missouri City, Texas. So he's, a, he's another corner. He's in the six-foot range as well. But Boyd is a guy they've been interested in. And uh, he's camped at Alabama before, and it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, where he ends up. I, right now, uh, most people seem to think he's going to end up at Texas A&M, uh, but he's also he's got an excellent offer list, though, Kerry. He's been offered by Texas, Florida State, Texas A&M, Alabama, Arkansas. So he's uh, he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. As Rodney says, things always change, and, and you'll we'll see about that. But uh, he was offered by Alabama back on May the 8th, and uh, I, he unofficially visited in early June for the first camp. So that's the last time he's been on campus at Alabama. But if they're going to bring him in for an official, he's still on the board at a decently high spot. I don't know if he can commit right now, but he's someone to watch. Okay, Thomas, uh, the bear of the back chat has got a Blake Sims running back uh, Oxford, Mississippi story he'd like to tell us. Oh, oh well, I was just – I was for the after the show, but I can I'll go ahead and tell it. I was at I was covering the game, the Ole Miss game, where Alabama beat them fifty-two to seven, and that was the Trent Richardson juke game. And I'm walking off towards the press the press room. I'm on the field, and I, Blake Sims breaks a long run, and I look up and he's running straight towards me, and I'm just like, oh no, I'm about to get annihilated. Thank God the Ole Miss safety had a good angle on him and knocked him out about five yards in front of me. Otherwise, I would have been in pieces on that stadium. <laughs> Trent, Trent buried the jock, and Blake almost took out the rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is CC Bama football. <laughs> okay, well, that, that's a good story, Thomas. I like that. That's a, and, and, Thomas, are you going to be covering any games this year? I, I, we're going back and forth about it. I think I'm going to end up going to LSU, and I might end up going to Ole Miss again. But it, it, it's one of the it, – it's kind of a – frankly, it's a pissing contest between some of the more more uh, senior writers over stuff like an Auburn or a Texas A&M right now. And those text messages are flying thick and heavy. Mary Baldwin has a better shoe shine than you. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it really does. I mean, they gleam. i got to give credit to Larry about that. Uh, something I wanted to ask you about, Drew, since I have not been able to watch the tape of tonight's press conference. When Coach Saban started expounding about beast mode and how important that was, what was the context? Well, he just it was in his opening statement. 
he said sometimes when you when you when it's hot outside, 90 plus degrees, and you've got full pads on, and you've got to go out there and get a lot of reps. He said what you have to do is have the mental toughness and fortitude to go into beast mode and get your work done. And he said we've got some guys that have done that and some that have not, and we've got to continue to work with those guys so they can continue to get better and improve. <laughs> the postscript of that is uh, if you don't find a way. You're not playing. Mode. We're going to send you to the team Obigon, Scott Cochran, and he will help you get it. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Oh, okay. Well, and, so, you know, it's a, and it's going to be interesting because, and now, you know, as William said last night, we'll bring up another point about the 2015 class. He said he's hoping that Anthony Jennings becomes the tight end in the class, and that could easily happen, but he's putting up monster numbers on defense. I'm I'm more one I want to see the kind of progress this season as players that Dakota Ball and Brandon Green make because it looks like Brandon Green is going to stay at tight end. If those guys can make satisfactory progress, I don't think an inline blocking tight end is as important unless it's an elite player like Jackson Harris who looks like he will you know uh, he's going to go to Georgia. But again, I just think. It's if those two guys come along, it's not as important to get an inline blocker in this class. And hell, hint this as they've released some 2015 film today, Kerry, and it's very, very impressive thus far. Yeah, I understand. Hale was on TV last week too. He was. He's had he's, he's had over 100 yards receiving, I think, in every ball game. They're uh, mud hole and all their opponents thus far. Uh, I know Missouri high school football is not considered elite, but I think Hale's a very good prospect. And uh, at the very least, will be in age, but he may have some. He may be able to play a little bit of while. We will see. Uh, he's not gifted as far as not great speed, but I think he's a good route runner, great hands, very smart kid, and is a willing blocker. And that's half the battle. The question there, though, is you know when you have certain guys in the game like Dakota Ball or Brandon Green. Isn't it safe for the defense to kind of like 99.9% be sure they're not going to be a receiver? As far as – are you talking about at the same time or just uh, – No, not necessarily at the same level. time, but just if either one of those guys is in the game, isn't it about 99 points sure that they're not going to throw those guys? Well, maybe, but, I mean, that, that could change. I mean, that could even – all you have to do is throw to them one and two times. I've seen Dakota Ball make some catches, and he looked pretty smooth there, and I've seen him drop the football. But I think he can catch the football. Uh, I know they joked with Brandon Green last year about how they never threw it to him either. But, uh, I, you know, just all it takes is one time to get the defense to respect it. Uh, but, again, I, what you're wanting to do with those guys, you, most of the time you know you're going to run the football when they're in there. But a, a, a team that is really adept at running the football carry, you can do it even when they know it's coming. Drew, uh, I'm going to bring a caller on here in a second, but while I do, would you be so kind? I'm going to answer his first couple of questions. If you would be so kind as to find some information for us about Jonathan Laurent of Dr. Phillips High School in Orlando, who recently received a day an Alabama basketball offer, if you could kind of look up Jonathan Laurent, and we'll talk about him after we talk to the man from the Shoals, Bring the Pain. You're live on BAMS Radio. What's going on, my friends? we just as blessed as we are broke. What can we do for you? Hey, I got a, a couple of questions about the game Saturday. Okay, go ahead. Who do you think 
Who do you think done better uh, at quarterback, Sims or Coker? Sims, by far. So, done better in this game. Do you think Coker will play any more this Uh, If they play the whole 60 minutes, I think he might play a little more. Uh, But I think Sims will play at least one and a half quarters. And when it gets about 21 to nothing or 24 to nothing or whatever, I think Sims will come out and Coker will come in. They're still wanting to give Coker a chance. But Sims has a really big lead right now. Sims only had one bad play bring the pain, and that was when he uh, tried to hand the ball off on a passing play down there at the goal line and caused the fumble that uh, really wasn't T.J. Yeldon's fault. It was Blake's fault. But you throw that play out, and he played a really, really, really good game. In fact, the best pass he threw all day, in my opinion, was about a 15-, 16-yard crossing route that Christian Jones dropped. Uh, he sure was, did. The receivers hadn't been too kind yet to Blake. Green DePayne uh, played well. He's completed, I think, 76.3% of his passes. And, uh, you, know, he's, he's, you know, he's got a couple touchdowns and one interception. He scored a touchdown. Uh, yeah, I think mean, Blake is clearly the front runner. Uh, I don't know if Coker's going to be able to catch him this year. Time will tell. We're not going to know a whole lot about it until the end of the Florida game. But right now, Blake has a, has a pretty commanding lead, Payne. Okay, and what do y'all think about the hurry offense we've been doing? Well, I think it's been really effective. I think it helps Blake. I think it helps Blake a lot because uh, it's less thinking for him to do in the huddle and at the line and all. And uh, I I think uh, I I don't think we'll do it all year, but I think we'll do it some every game. And I think Blake plays better when we're in that than he does when we huddle. All right, guys. Thanks a lot, man. Y'all have a blessed night. Well, are you and Jackson coming Bam, Saturday? Bam, I tried to go camp Saturday, but I couldn't. This coming Saturday? Where were you? What do you mean? Oh, uh, I, if you're asking what happened with the tent, uh, I was talking to Bert about that actually before the show. And it was too early for him to get everything organized. He had a couple of chemo and the chemo shots last week, so he was he, he was pretty well out of it last week. I think I don't want to put oh, words okay. in the bird's mouth, but I think it's going to be around for uh, the Southernness game. I, I can confirm that Daniel, we not only going to have a tent this week, Daniel, but we're also going to have Big Head Chuck's barbecue this week. Uh, I talked to Chuck offline, and he's going to cater this game for the Bams tent and every SEC home game. So we'll have him every game but Western Carolina here on out home game. So now we would love to see you and Jocelyn come by uh, and, uh, and and visit with us because not only will the tent be up, but Big Head's Barbecue will be available for all our guests. So please try to come by. Well, me and Jocelyn will be there at the Florida game, but I'll be there okay, this fine. weekend. Okay, but, well, we'll be there for the uh, Florida game as well, 2.30 kickoff CBS. This week is 5 o'clock ESPN2. We'll look for you and Jocelyn at the You didn't game. hear, Bam, so I'm going to be the first to tell you, man, Jocelyn is not dating anymore. So y'all still friends, right? Yeah, we're still friends. I'm still going to like bring it. her to You didn't like it when, uh, but, when she went brunette? You didn't, you didn't approve of her hair change from blonde to brunette? 
They didn't. They didn't fit really. Oh, I loved her hair change. She said that she just didn't feel the same way she did before. Well, she's a sweet girl, and y'all are both very sweet people, and I'm very glad y'all stayed friends. And uh, listen, thank you so much for calling. We will talk to you at uh, hopefully next week on BAMS, but definitely uh, at the Florida game a week from Saturday. And it's great hearing from you, Bring the Pain. Thanks, as always, for calling BAMS Radio. We really appreciate you, buddy. You're welcome, and God bless y'all, man. Roll time. Bring the pain. Bless you, too. That's Bring the Pain calling from the Shoals area in the 256. We did have Big C, uh, you know, represent the 334 tonight. Um uh, and Marty, the 256. So the 205 and the 251 have uh, have us down, unless you count me and Thomas. <laughs> if you count that, we got all the area codes of our state covered. So for that reason, I'm going to count it. Uh, but, Drew, uh, I mentioned briefly the kickoff this week is uh, 5 o'clock on ESPN2. We did get the official announcement of 230 CBS for Florida. Yeah. My thinking, Drew, uh, is that if uh, Alabama and Ole Miss are both undefeated, that game will also be a 230 in Oxford. No question. No question about that. Uh, I think it'll be the Super Bowl for Ole Miss, business trip for Alabama. We'll see what happens. But, uh, again, I think no doubt it will be a, a CBS game. And the excellent job there with bringing the pain. And I was able to watch some film carry on John Laurent, the Jonathan Laurent who was offered by Alabama today in basketball 2015, uh, small forward slasher from uh, Dr. Phillips High School in Orlando, Florida, which is the alma mater of one ha-ha Clinton Dix and D.D. Hart. But uh, like, he's a very he's left-handed, uh, around the 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, height, around 190 pounds. He's, very, very, uh, he, he's a good finisher around the rim. Uh, he, has, he has a lot of mid-major offers, but he also has offers now from Alabama, Georgia and Georgia Tech, uh, and he's uh, and, and then uh, he's even with an offer from from uh, Central Florida. He's had a pretty good uh, program in Western Kentucky as well. They're still more mid majors, but uh, they're still good programs. But again, the three major offers that he's got now are Alabama, uh, Georgia, and Georgia Tech. But he's a very good athlete. It looks like someone that can finish in traffic. Uh, I didn't see him shoot outside too much in the in the film that I watched. Uh, but again, it's, it's interesting because he's left-handed. But he's a, he's another uh, long athlete that and he, Coach Grant seems to like that uh, can can finish around the rim and is pretty good in the open floor. Did you happen to see the tweet? And I'm sure you did, Drew, from Ricky Tarrant, where he was giving props to uh, not Jeff, just Justin Jeff, Colton, Jeff Garrett, but mm-hmm. also Jeff Garrett mm-hmm. for the way they've looked in the pickup game so far. Uh, yep. I thought that was pretty encouraging. Yeah, I saw that the other day and had a had a brain fart last night. I, I was trying to remember Jeff Garrett's name when I was trying to do my two-minute basketball overview at Greenbrier Barbecue before William Barger walked in because uh, we know how much he loves basketball. But, uh, but again, I, I'm encouraged by all I've heard, Kerry. Uh, I think Jeff Garrett's a worker. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think he's a great shooter, but I think he, he plays hard. Uh, plays bigger than he is, is what Alabama needs. Uh, very good athlete. And, of course, Justin Coleman, uh, Justin Coleman is a worker. He's going to work himself. He, he was a worker when he was at Winona. He'll work at Alabama. I love Riley Norris because he's a coach's kid and another gym rat who wants to be at Alabama, wants to be good. And I love Devin Mitchell. I think this class will be better than the Levi Randolph, Trevor Lacey class. I think these guys are more grinders. 
and guys that, you know, and I mean, Levi Randolph's had a solid career, but I think they're probably more talented uh, than that group was. And uh, hopefully we'll have, we'll not have parents around them that are insane. Uh, but uh, I still think they will be assets to the program and uh, we'll see. I hope coach Grant can get it turned around, but as I said last night, Ricky Tarrant and Michael Kessens, along with those four guys and Christian Veradell, I mentioned Veradell after someone brought him up. He has not been able to practice at, uh, uh, at least when he first got there because of a knee issue. Hopefully that is about, uh, you know, healed up and he will be able to get out on the floor because I think there's no doubt he can shoot it and uh, being surrounded by uh, a good talent, which he should be this year at Alabama, he can definitely be a sniper. And I think this will be the most skilled team that Coach Grant's had in his tenure at Alabama. To clarify on the Veradale situation, you are correct in that when he first arrived in town, right. they they asked him not to play pickup games. Mm-hmm. But he has participated in no, the okay. workouts. workouts. Mm-hmm. And when they do the shooting drills from behind the arc, he is killing it. Well, I'm not surprised. You saw it on the film, Kerry. I mean, you saw it on Florida Gulf Coast. We saw it on when against a very good opponent. He drops 41 points. So, I mean, he just uh, – and he kept them in the game single-handedly. Of course, they ended up still losing that basketball game. Uh, but, again, he, he's, a, he's a shooter. He's someone that can really play. And I think he was a good pickup. I wish they had one more big. Hopefully, Shannon Hale is back from the foot injury and uh, has been in the weight room because he's a very skilled guy that can really help as well. I'm anxious to see if he and Michael Kessens can even see some time on the floor together. I think there's a chance of that, and – Unfortunately, we all know that, that Jimmy Taylor is going to, from time to time, get in foul trouble. So uh, those right. three guys, those three guys, unless Garrett is willing to play the four some, uh, are going to have to. And, and, and Riley's Riley to me is still too skinny to play the four. No, he's not going to play the four. I think Jeff Garrett will be a, a I four. I think I think at least because of his skill level right now, Kerry, he's not a guy that can shoot outside. He's, a, he's got the junkyard dog and. You remember well, what? That's who we needed to be. We needed to be Chris. Well, huh? well, well, and you know, and you know uh, what? Uh, you remember what? Uh, what Justin Coleman said about uh, Jeff Garrett. First time he saw Jeff Garrett, he got his tooth knocked out in an AAU game. Went back, got put some gauze in his mouth, and came back out on the floor. So obviously, <laughs> we need. if he's got that kind of toughness, that'll really help. And uh, I'm just anxious to see this team play and practice because have not seen Ricky Terrence since Pleasant Grove days, did not see him at Tulane. And then you've heard all the things about Michael Kessens. I've seen Michael Kessens in the flesh one time on TV the first day of the SEC Network and didn't even know until after the fact that I was looking at Michael Kessens. So hopefully, uh, you know, get a chance to see him and anxious for practice to start in October and see the impact of these six newcomers, or seven, I should say, newcomers. All right. Well, uh, we've had a, a productive two hours so far. Uh, any final thoughts, Drew, before we wrap it up about the Southern Miss game? No, not really. I mean, I, 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 well, I mean, I just hope – what you want more than hope to get out of the game is no injury. Uh, you're hoping that the first-team offense takes care of business. I'm hoping to see a good quarter and a half, uh, two quarters out of Blake Sims. The rest of the reps need to go to Jake Coker. He needs the reps. Uh, hoping to see the second-team offensive line get quite a bit of action. Uh, want to see the Debbie Want to see Tim Williams and Rashawn Evans hopefully get in in the first half to help with the pass rush. Want to see how if the defensive line can can start taking control a little bit and get better. 
and uh, and of course Reuben Foster. So there's going to be several storylines to follow, but I just hope it's an, it's, a, it's something where you get to see the young players a lot in the second half. Well, it is coming up on the top of the hour, uh, so we're going to go ahead and sign off on yet another edition of Bama's Radio on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Kerry Clark from BamaMag.com. Uh, thanks also to my co-host, Drew DeArmond of AlabamaIntel.com, and our producer back in the studio, Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Uh, we are going to sign off. Thanks to Rodney Orr for joining us, and Dick C for calling in along with Bring the Pain and Marty. You're listening to Bam's Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Roll time, everybody.